was. You know, I don't, I don't, it's funny. And it's an unpopular concept, but I'm not a big goal setter. I don't, I don't have a place that I need to be in 18 months uh, or two years or five years or 10 years for that matter. Um, I, I really don't care. Here's what I know. I can control what I do today. Control what I do tomorrow and the rest. I really don't control. I just gotta, I gotta, I gotta make sure that I do what I need to do to take care of the people around me and take care of my family and take care of myself in a way that, that I can be proud of and that my kids can be proud of. And, I just gotta enjoy it along the way. Will we make a bunch more money? Yeah, sure. Probably. What if we don't? I don't care. I mean, I, mean, I care, but I mean, who knows? Who knows what will happen? Welcome to the Freedom Chasers Podcast, where we bring you interviews and discussions that share the stories, successes, goals, and dreams of real estate agents and real estate investors pursuing a life of purpose and freedom. Today, I have the amazing pleasure of interviewing Michael Hellickson, the man who carries over 120 listings a month, or he did when he was in production, 750 listings and pendings at a time. I mean, this is just mind boggling when the average agent is selling like two homes a year and he's got 750 at a time. The man who's mastered sales, lead generation, leadership, and a ton of other things has gone on to lead an unbelievable coaching business and is investing. So he's hitting all of our boxes today. So whether you're an agent or an investor, you're thinking about freedom or leadership or even spirituality, guys, we could talk about this on the show. This guy is going to take us. My first question to you, Michael, is going to be, how can you go from zero listings to a hundred a month? But again, thank you for coming on the show. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. I'm stoked to be here. And, uh, you know, I didn't just go from zero to 100 listings a month. Now, truth be told, I was closing 120 to 180 transactions a month and carried about 750 listings in any given time. But I was only listing about 50 to 75 houses a month myself, not counting my team. Um, but that didn't happen overnight. In fact, I got stuck. I, I remember very clearly a time where I got stuck at 25 uh, listings a month and it was driving me nuts. There was another agent in my market. His name is John Schlombush. Great guy, super good agent. Uh, and I'll tell you, John was doing 25 to 35 listings a month at the time. And all I could think about is, man, why can he do it? And I can't, why is he having success with this? And I'm not. And I just got frustrated and frustrated more and more just, just, just beat myself up over it. And finally, I said to myself, you know what, screw this. I'm gonna stop worrying about John. I'm gonna stop thinking about John. And what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna look at my day and I'm gonna look at what do I do every day? What does my day look like? And, and I, I developed what I call my perfect daily schedule. And I said, okay, so if, if I could design the perfect day that would put me in a position to double the number of listings that I'm taking every month and do it in less time, because I wanted to get down to a 12 day month, right? So I wanted to work four days a week, three weeks a month and be done. So I designed the schedule that, that I thought maybe could get me there. And what's interesting is I just followed the schedule. I just, I, and, I, and I just got really jealous of my time. And I just said, okay, look, if it's not in my schedule, it's not freaking happening. And so all I did was follow that schedule every single day, no matter what. And it didn't matter what distraction or what opportunity came my way. I said no to everything. Uh, if, it was, if it didn't fit my schedule, it's a no. And man, I'm telling you, literally within 90 days, I was hitting 50 listings a month. And within six months, I was at 75 listings a month and I was working 12 days a month. So it didn't happen overnight, 
and, and it only happened now, now truth be told the other piece of this that people have to understand because i don't want people to think oh i can just jump and just go do that instantly just by changing my schedule i had a pipeline that i've been building up over a long period of time right of, of you know I've, I've been bringing leads in i've been nurturing those leads over a long period of time all i did here was i just ramped up those efforts and i got really focused on only doing those things and really it's three things right it's lead generation lead follow-up and lead conversion and when i just made that 90 percent of my day game over as a, in fact, I got to a point where I made that almost 100% of my day. Uh, and man, nobody can compete with the guy that does that. It's not possible because nobody's that focused. Right? I mean, you look at Austin. You've met Austin, my son. Oh, yeah. 97 listings this first year selling real estate. Who does that? I mean, nobody does that, right? I mean, but in fact, there's people that have been in business 20, 30 years that can't do that. Well, and I shouldn't say can't. They can. They just choose not to because they allow everything else to be a distraction. He's focused, man. That kid, four hours a day, he's on the phone. That's it. That's what he does. The rest of the day, he goes on appointments. So, so you obviously are a man of faith, and you yeah. did your mission in Germany, right? Is I that did. correct? Yeah. Two years. It was great. Best two years of my single life. I will say that. <laughs> right. Yeah. So smart. You, you can tell yeah. there's some wisdom there. So, <laughs> you go over to Germany. You're knocking yeah. doors, right? Oh yeah. 14 hours a day, most days. Yeah. In Germany, right after the wall came down. You want to learn to sell? Go sell religions to Germans right after the wall came down. Good luck. Dude, like, like break that down for me. Like, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a student of the sales process, right? Like, what, what skill set did you have to have? Like, what were the objections? How did you overcome them? Well, start with, again, it took discipline, right? And, and it's funny because people talk about motivation versus discipline. You know, motivation sucks. Like, motivation is meaningless if you don't have discipline. You could be, like, look at Winnie the Pooh. Remember Winnie the Pooh, right? Like, you know Winnie the Pooh. Did your generation grow up with that? I know you're kind of young, but, you know, my old guy generation, we grew up with Winnie the Pooh. And you look at Tigger. Tigger's this ball of energy, just totally motivated. Ah, I'm going to conquer the world. Gets nothing done. Then you look at Eeyore, right? Eeyore's got no motivation whatsoever. This guy's just ho-hum, woe is me, world's coming to an end. But he just trots through his day and he gets through it. I will take Eeyore on my team over Tigger any day, right? So that's first and foremost, it took having the discipline to go through the day and just do the deal every day. Second, I had to learn something called brot, right? So it's part of what we call a commitment pattern. Brot is the German word for bread. And we used to say it's the bread of life. And it stands for building relationships on trust. So I had to learn to build relationships on trust. And what's a, there's a huge fallacy out there. Everybody out there wants you to believe that people have to know, like, and trust you to do business with you. That's not true. They don't have to like you. I'm going to tell you right now, <laughs> I guarantee you have done business with and will do business with people that you don't like, but you trust them. I'll give you some examples. Your attorney. Do you really love your attorney? Come on. I mean, who loves their attorney? They're prickly people, right? Right. They, you do business with them because you trust them, because you believe they'll get the job done. Home sellers. Everybody on this call has an interest in home sellers at some level, right? Someone selling their home only cares about three things. Now, this is this is where a lot of people get sideways. They only care about three things. It's who's going to give me the most amount of money in the least amount of time with the least amount of headache to me. Most amount of money, least amount of time, least amount of headache. That's all they care about. So what we use for sellers is the same thing we use when we are on our missions, selling religion, if you will. I hate to say it, but when you're selling Christianity, you know, you're you're selling religion, right? And so we had to build relationships on trust. And the way that you do that in, in easy terms for the folks on the call to, to, to really get your head around and be able to implement right away is you just use the Ford technique. 
And most people know what the Ford technique is. It's an old school technique. It's worked for decades. I mean, I've been at this since 1991. And I could tell you that if you just ask them open-ended questions about their family, their occupation, their recreation and dreams, you'd be amazed at how easy it is to build a relationship on trust because they're doing 90% of the talking. They think, oh my gosh, you're this amazing conversationalist because they did all the talking. So it's pretty straightforward. But yeah, that was, so for two years, I got to, I got to work with Germans. Good people, really good people. You know what I love about Germans, by the way, Matt? This is, this is something that Americans could take a lesson from. I love it in Germany because in America, everybody's your friend, right? How do you know they go, oh yeah, we've been friends for a long time. Like you've talked like three times in the last 10 years, right? In Germany, if somebody says, you're my friend, dude, if we're passing on the street and I see you and I say, hey, how's it going? You better be prepared for a three-hour discussion on how it's actually going in my life, right? Because when they say I'm a friend, we're, we're friends, man. It means something. I just, I love that about Germans. So it was a great time. Great. Best, best two years of my single life. Love it, man. And so you're hardly an Eeyore yourself, right? You're high energy. You're passionate. You're laying it out there. But you're also incredibly disciplined. Right. And I heard in one of the videos as I was I was doing some research, like you're you're ADD to the max. And, yes. and so mm -hmm. you're ADD and high energy, which is not normally the recipe, I think, of the most disciplined person in the world. So so walk us through what was the Michael Hellickson process to get discipline? Well, let's start with this. If you can take someone with ADD and help them focus and channel that energy, put some boundaries around that energy so it's focused in a single direction, they're unstoppable. I'll tell you right now, most of the, the, the very, very highly successful people in the world, barring your Elon Musk's and, you know, some of the Asperger's folks that are just, they, they, their minds think differently than mine does. And they're very brilliant and they're, you know, but, but barring those types of people, I'm talking about, you know, the Grant Cardone's of the world. You don't, if you don't think Grant Cardone has ADD, I got news for you. Dude, look at that guy. And what did he learn to do? He learned to channel that energy. He learned to focus that energy in a single direction. And when you do that and you can channel that into certain activities every day that you do, no matter matter what, nobody can compete with you. It's just because they won't, they won't have the discipline. So do I think motivation is good? Yes. Do I think energy is, is helpful? Absolutely. But I'll tell you, if you have to choose between the two, choose discipline, right? Because otherwise it's just wasted energy. Uh, it's it's kind of like an, an explosion, right? If you just, if you take an M80 and you sit it out on this, you know, let's, let's say I want to blow up a mailbox. So I take an M80, I sit it on top of the mailbox. Nothing's going to happen. You know, it's going to explode and it's going to leave a little mark on the mailbox. But I take that Amy and I stick it in that mailbox and I light it. Not that I've ever done this, <clears throat> uh, but, uh, you know, you stick that in that mailbox. That thing's going bye-bye, right? You're going to blow that sucker sky high because you've compressed that energy into a finite space and it has to get somewhere. Same principle. Get disciplined. The mailbox is your discipline. So, so for you, the magic was at the beginning, you had the energy and the drive, but not the discipline. Is that fair to say? I, I did. And I, well, and I'll tell you another piece of that. I also didn't know what to do with it. I didn't know how to focus it. And so that's when I hired my first coach and you probably recognize Mike Ferry, right? He was 30 years ago back when Eric was 32 years ago, I think back when he was a young spry, 97 years old. Uh, I'm just kidding, Mike, if you watch watching, right. uh, but, uh, but I hired him as my first coach. And one of the things one of the best things I ever learned from Mike, and I learned a lot from all my coaches. I've been very fortunate to have some great coaches and mentors in my life. Uh, but one of the great things I learned from him was the importance of having an assistant and about taking everything that you're not good at and making sure somebody else is doing it. And so he talked to me and, and I couldn't afford it at the time. I was, you know, I was brand new back from my mission, had no idea how I was going to pay for this person, but he got me to hire this assistant. And let me tell you, Matt, she changed my life. 
Mm. Uh, she absolutely took everything off my plate that I was not good at, didn't enjoy, didn't want to do, was doing a bad job of, whatever. Uh, took it all off my plate and allowed me to focus 100%. And this is the key, because a lot of times when people hire an assistant, then they just realize, oh, I've got free time, I'm going to go play. No, instead, what you do is you take that free time, you put it into focused effort on lead generation, lead follow-up, lead conversion, and the rest works itself out. And that's exactly what happened in our production, just immediately went through the roof. Uh, and I would, I would go so far as to quote Mike and say that if you don't have an assistant, you are one. <laughs> and so, you know, I think everybody needs an assistant, uh, whether it be professional or domestic. And interestingly, that particular assistant ended up, uh, she worked for me for four years before we got married. Uh, and that's when I went to work for her. <laughs> so, right, exactly. She's working for you in the beginning of part of the day, you're working for her the rest of the day. Uh, so, dude, I got news for you. The second we got married, I was working for her the whole day, 24-7, 365. <laughs> Bro, listen, you married, you're married, Matt. So, you know, I always I know. tell people, any man that says he wears the pants in the family probably lies about other things, too. So, <laughs> right? Or she's got him so trained he doesn't even realize it. Exactly. So, Amazing. but no, it was, it's, you know, learning that and figuring that out was really paramount to, to me growing our business and, uh, and getting to a point where I could accomplish things that I wanted to accomplish, but the perfect daily schedule without the perfect daily schedule in place never would have happened. No way. No way. How many iterations of the perfect daily schedule did you have to go through before it, it really stuck? Uh, I'm still going through iterations today. It's, it's, it's a work in progress. It's always changing. And when I say it's changing, it doesn't change on a daily basis, but it changes every six to 12 months. Uh, you know, as, as my business grows and as, as my priorities in the business change, uh, you know, right now, for example, I don't, none, none of my, I've got, I probably got a hundred and I don't know, probably 150 people on payroll now. And so I've got layers of leadership that I've got to, that I've got to work with. And that's different than when I was working with everybody. Right. And so like the daily huddles, I don't even go to the daily huddles anymore because I need to be hearing the information as brought to me from my leadership team. And I need to allow them to lead. I need to allow them to fulfill their roles and to blossom in their roles. Uh, and so as that changed, my perfect daily schedule had to change. And as as new parts of the business emerge and, and change, and I need to change and, and emerge and grow with them. And then therefore my daily schedule has to change. But what I really strive to do is I strive to make sure that the first thing in the morning, really from eight o'clock till noon is your magic time. Now, obviously there's a bunch of stuff you do before that, but I'm not talking about the working out and the prayer, meditation, all that kind of stuff. I get that. That's all before, like, like my family, we're, we're at work by five o'clock, like five, six o'clock, everybody in my family's working somehow, right? They're either in the office, which everybody in my family is, but me. Uh, or they're, you know, like me, I'm on social media at five o'clock, actually usually about three o'clock in the morning. Point being though, your, my, your normal work, like your contact, your reach out, your, your, your lead generation, your lead follow-up and your lead conversion, those happen between eight o'clock and noon. So the question is, what is your version of that as your life changes? You know, for a long time, for me, it was pounding the phones. Now it's doing live events, right? So it's flying all over the country and, and, and I do a live event three days a week. And, uh, and that's a big part of my lead generation, lead conversion and lead or lead follow up and lead conversion process. Yeah. So, and so essentially the eight to 12, when you're prospecting is pretty easy to observe, right? Because you just go in the yep. office and you call now that you're traveling, right? So your eight to 12 is probably very a loose term, right? It might be a Monday to Wednesday, but then, you know, for me, generally it's, I get on a plane on Monday, I fly somewhere and then Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, I have classes. So I'll, I'll I'll go to city one, teach, and I drive to the next city, spend the night, teach the next morning, drive to the next city, teach the next morning, fly home that night. 
Uh, so I'm usually home by Thursday nights. And now, so I work about a three day week. You know, I, 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 well, I shouldn't say that. I really am working a four day week, but it's, you know, I leave my, my homes, you know, city around the afternoon on Mondays and I get home late evening on Thursdays. And then Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I'm in the mountains with my wife. That's, that's my schedule. I love it. And it worked great. So, so out of the transitions from solo agent to team to et cetera, what has been the hardest transition for you? Wow. You know what? That's, they've all had their own challenges. Uh, that's a really good question. I think every transition has different challenges um, and some are easier for some than others. Uh, for me, one of the biggest challenges was getting out of production because it's so easy to be in production. It's, it's clean. It's simple. It's, you know what to do every day. And when you get out of production, it, it and you have to, you have to reinvent yourself and, and learn a different skill set. It's no longer going out and putting transactions together. Now it's how do I lead a team? How do I, how do I create a vision? How do I, how do I get us to that next level? And it's, it's a lot harder than just being in production and going out and I'll tell you, it was a lot easier for me to, to sell 120 to 180 homes a month than it was to get out of production. It, it just, it was a lot easier. Same. So, yeah. 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 Production's like, okay, I know how to sell. I know how to convince. I know how to get this, that. How, how fast did you, so when you say out of production, I mean, obviously you had assistant from very early on with Mike's direction. So how well, fast. Mike was, Mike was only my coach for a couple of years, like what, 32 years ago, but yes, he helped me with the assistant piece, but yes. So, so basically how fast, like how fast were you only doing like the conversion element, like the getting the listing sign, how fast were you out of the rest? Well, that's actually really interesting. So up until, up until the very end, I was still doing lead follow-up. I just wasn't doing lead generation. So my day, so basically what it looked like when I was listing 50 to 75 houses a month, here, here's what my day looked like. I'd, I'd leave my house at 7.30 and my first appointment is usually about eight o'clock in the morning. And then after my first appointment, I'd start hitting the phones and I would, and on my drive from one appointment to the next, I would make my follow-up calls. And so I would do about 115 to 125 follow-up calls per day, which would result in usually about five to eight appointments a day. Uh, and if I went on five to eight appointments a day, four days a week, uh, I could usually list out of those five to eight, I could usually list five or six houses a day, um, you know, and, and that would be my month. That's, that's what I would do. And so, but it was... To your point, like I didn't have to lead generate at that time. And the reason I didn't have to lead generate is because my systems and my people were lead generating for me, right? And so all I had to do was follow up those people. And frankly, I probably could have handed off a lot of that follow up. And and there's I know teams across the country, there are some teams where the listing agents, they don't even do any of the lead generation or lead follow up. All they do is they get handed a stack of stuff in the morning. They go on their appointments. They crush those appointments. They bring the signed listings back, hand them off. That's their day. That's literally all they do. And I'll tell you, if you can get your team to that level, game over. Whether it's a listing team, an investing team, it doesn't matter. It just If you can get your team to the level where your workflow is so segmented that everybody gets to really specialize in as, as small a piece as possible, they can become ridiculously good at that small piece and your productivity as a team goes through the roof. Yeah. One of the things that you've done that I appreciate, I mean, I think a lot of people are so anxious to offload the follow-up and offload a lot of the sales processes. Like, because... The rainmaker is going to have the highest level of skill, generally speaking. At, at least they'll have the highest level of care about the business and the passion. Like right. that was the, the last thing that you offered. I don't think there's any coincidence that that's why you were doing 100 plus homes a month, right? Like, yeah. like do you see it that way too? Do you think in our rush to get out of this, you know, 
you know, failure rejection element that we, we sacrifice a huge upside to the business? I, I do think, I believe that hundred percent and I'll take it a step further. I think that it's, it's beyond just the fact that the team leader is generally more skilled is generally more passionate about the business. I would agree with that, but I think that there's a bigger component at play here that people miss and that's the failure to lead by example. Once you're out of production, it's, it's difficult to hold people accountable because they say, well, you're not doing that. And you're, you know, you're, you get to do this and this and this, and they don't see what you've done the last 15, 20 years. All they see is what you're doing today. And that power of, of leading by example is not to be underestimated. It's, it's not to be overlooked. Uh, to the extent that you can lead by example, to the extent that, well, I'll give you a perfect example. Watch Grant Cardone, right? I mean, how often do you think he sits down with his guys and pounds out the phones? He still does it once in a while. Why? Because he needs to show them, for, first of all, he needs to keep his skills sharp. Second of all, he needs to show them that, hey, man, I walk the walk. I'm not just telling you to do something I'm not willing to do myself. And by the way, I can do it better than you. Let me show you. So don't give me that excuse because I'm telling you this works. Next time you want to tell me something doesn't work, give me two minutes and I'll show you that it does. I mean, that's you've got to be able to remove the excuses for your team. And here's the other thing. Do the hard thing. Be Goggins, man. Like if, if you want to be if, if you want to be a leader, be Goggins, right? Find the hardest thing and go do that because the money is in the things that others either can't or won't do. That's where the money's at. You know, it's, I can't remember who said it. I was listening to somebody here recently and they're like, you know, go do stuff that's not scalable. And just let that sink in for me. Everybody wants to scale. And, and the way everybody looks at scale, I think the way that most people look at scale is, oh, I've got people and they're doing stuff. And so I'm scaling. No, nah, you're growing. And I had an agent, I was sitting in my, in one of my events and she just, oh my gosh, she hates me to this day. I'm sure she got so mad because she says, well, my team went from 916 transactions a year to a thousand and, and or 1116 transactions in one year. I'm like, dude, you're not scaling. You're growing. That's slow growth. Scale would be going from 900 to 2000. That's scale. But, but you don't accomplish that without a lot of systems and people in place. And it's, and so the people that, and by the way, most of the people that are watching these probably aren't at that level. So guess what you guys need to do? Do the stuff that's not scalable at the highest level possible. And you'd be amazed at how fast your business will grow and how profitable it will be. So a lot of times I think the, the goal is to get some sense of freedom, right? To be on the beach or so on and so forth. I mean, here you are, you've made more money than most people will ever make or even think of in their entire life. And yet you're flying around Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, uh, you know, doing these conferences. Is, is it really like people should chase their desired freedom or is freedom really like falling in love with the right things? First of all, I love you for bringing this up. Yeah. Second of all, I say stop trying to do what you love and love what you do. And, you know, you, here, do what it takes right? Because, because what it takes is what it takes. It doesn't care what you love. It doesn't care what you want to do. It doesn't care what freedom you want to have. You want freedom. There's a cost, right? We just, we, we just had Memorial day. We're, think about Memorial day. What's Memorial day about? It's about people that understood what the cost of freedom is and were willing to put their lives on the line for it and sacrifice things. You and I can't even dream. We can't even fathom what these people sacrificed and how it changed their lives. And they went out and did that because they understood the actual cost of freedom. And nowadays we got it so easy in America. Give me a break. People, we have been raised on this whole entitlement, participation medal, freaking garbage, you know, everybody's a winner stuff. Screw that. That is not true. There are winners and losers in life. And if you want to be a loser, keep searching after, I want to do what I love. Because I'll tell you what, at some point in time, you're going to have to go ask somebody that was willing to do what it took for help, because they're going to be the only ones that can help you at that point. 
So do I love what I do? Yes. Do I love it every day? No. Are there days that suck? Yes. Uh, but uh, do I believe in what I'm doing? Absolutely. Do I believe in who I'm helping? Do I believe in our mission? Do I believe in the vision of the team and the company and, 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 and what I want to accomplish personally? Absolutely. Or I wouldn't do it. I would find a way to do what I truly believe in, but I would also understand that along the way, I'm going to have to do a lot of stuff that sucks because that's just life. And I'll, I'll list, okay, you talked about religion earlier, Matt. Let's talk about Adam and Eve. The Lord didn't say, you know, go have a good time. He said, by the sweat of thy brow shalt thy work all the days of thy life. There was none of this, hey, go have a good time. I'm going to take care of everything for you. No, it's you're done in the Garden of Eden. Get out there and go figure it out. Like that's, that's real life. And I think, I think we have lost that in this country to some degree. And I'll tell you what, I think if we really want to get back to the country that we can and should be, I think we're going to have to help people come back to reality and understand that, man, we need to be more like our grandparents. That's, that's who we need to emulate. They were the greatest generation. Why were they the greatest generation? I mean, look at what they accomplished. Look at, look at the advancements that they made. Look at what they did for the world. Look at how they saved independence. Look at how they saved freedom. Look at how they saved America. What have we done? Right? I don't know. Sorry. I don't mean to get on a soapbox about that, but man, when you start talking about, you know, I want to do what I love, don't we all? And and I love what I do, but you know, what, what, what I, what I love just, you know, hanging out in the woods with my wife more. Sure. But that's, that also gets boring after a time. I tried retirement. It sucked. I just tell you, like, it, I want to feel productive. I want to feel like I'm making a difference in this world. Yeah. And, and I can do that better. And here's the other thing. People have a fear of money. And this is something real that I think doesn't get talked about enough. You know, because when people talk about what they love, you know, they talk, oh, I'm going to do charity work. And I'm going to blah, blah. Really? You want to do charity work? Go make a crap ton of money and give it away. Go do that. Right. That's great. That's charity work. That, yep. Yeah. Now you can make a difference. Right. But you going out there and, and, and working at a soup kitchen. What's going to be better? Do you want to work in a soup kitchen or do you want to build a soup kitchen? Like, why don't you build it and fund it, right? That, that'll get you a lot further. So, but that takes discipline. So, Everyone who listens to our show knows Tim and I are passionate about obtaining financial freedom through real estate investing. We also know that everyone's situations and goals are different. And while there are programs out there that show you a path to financial freedom, many of these programs are just too cookie cutter and don't take your personality, situation, and desired outcome into account. Think about the number of times that you've watched a guru online and tried to do the exact same thing as they did, but had nowhere near the same results. You are not alone. When I got started, I was continually paying for courses and getting only partial results until I discovered the path that made sense for me. The results prove this out. Most online course creators have let us in on their dirty secrets that 90 to 95% of their students never complete their course and achieve their desired outcome. This is not something that we're okay with. The benefit of working with Tim and I is that we are interviewing between five and 20 people every single week. We have accumulated hundreds of seven-figure strategies and gotten inside scoop from these successful entrepreneurs. We're able to work with you to pick the strategy that will best fit and then help you create the custom plan to take you quickly into financial freedom. As a former math teacher, I always taught my students that the fastest way between two points is a straight line. If you want to get rid of the many curves in the road that can make the journey longer and more costly, then go to coaching.freedomchaserspodcast.com and book a call with us. And let's get you on a straight line path to freedom. Well, and discipline is what we're going to need to be successful. But it's also like, I mean, when you talk about the age of AI that's coming and, and a world where the the intelligence is going to be smarter than us on just about every level we could possibly conceive of, it, has, it pretty much already is. It's wild. Like, 
you know, they say that easy times, right? Like creates, you know, you, you've heard that cycle, right? Easy, easy times create weak men, weak men create hard times, hard times create strong men, strong men create easy times. 100% agree. And, and we're in a time too where, yeah, you know, AI might create some crazy hard times for us because now, now the level of discipline required to provide ex extra value and be meaningful in the world might be at a different level than we've ever faced. Like, yeah. does that factor at all into your guys's equations of the future in how no. you're going to do business or provide value? No. Well, and let me rephrase. It's not, I'm a, I'm a big control the controllables kind of guy. I can't control what AI is going to do to the world. I know I need to implement it. I need to utilize it in my business. And we do. Um, I need to make sure that I'm keeping up on it, that I'm understanding it, and that I'm staying abreast. Because I'll tell you right now, the, the, the distance between the haves and the have-nots is growing. And one of the things that, one of the unintended consequences that AI is going to have is you're going to see homelessness and unemployment skyrocket. And people don't realize that. And if you don't believe me, look at McDonald's. Look at Amazon. Look, I mean, let's, let's start with McDonald's. What did they do? When it, when, when it started in Seattle, in, in Seattle, as soon as minimum wage went to $15 an hour, what did McDonald's do? They freaking created automated kiosks and replaced all those people. They didn't give raises. They couldn't afford to. So what they had to do is they had to rethink their business and implement kiosks. What did Amazon do? Look at Amazon Go. You walk in, you hold your hand over a reader, and it knows who you are. You walk in, you grab whatever you want. You don't even check out. You literally just grab what you want, walk out the freaking door. And by the way, if you forgot something, you walk back in with all your stuff. Doesn't matter. You walk back in, grab whatever you forgot, and it knows. It just knows what you've got that you walked in with, walked out with. It just knows. That's where the world's headed. Well, guess what? How many people did that put out of work, right? Guys, the world's changing. And I'm telling you, if we don't, if, if we don't change with it, then we're going to get left behind. And you're going to see that the, the wealth in the world is transferring. We are in the middle of the biggest transference of wealth that's ever going to occur in our lifetimes. Uh, and you're either going to be part of it or you're going to get left behind. That's just, that's it. Um, so now that being said, can I change it? It's like Elon Musk, you know, he was, people love him, people hate him. I love the guy. I honestly, I think the guy's brilliant. And, and I think he thinks at a level that most mere mortals just will never be able to comprehend. And he's so scared much that people think he's a robot. I think so. Yeah. No, it's, which is weird, but, but the guy is, the, he's just, he's just Asperger's dude. He's which, and yeah. you have to understand that's a gift. That is a gift. You know, when I, and when you guys hear me talk about Asperger's or people being on the spectrum, it's a freaking gift, man. If it's, if they're in the right environment, they're given the opportunity to really maximize it. It's a gift. And this guy's unlocked portions of his brain. You and I will never know are there. And he's scared to death of AI. And I understand why. I, I mean, he's, he's thinking, you, you and I are playing checkers. He's playing multi-level chess. Multi-multi-level. Hundred percent. He's seeing down the road where this is going to go, and I don't know if it goes Terminator. I don't know what happens, but maybe, maybe Skynet's coming. I don't know. But what I can tell you is, I can't control it. So all I can do is get up every day, put a smile on my face, get my butt to work. That's what I can do. And then while I'm doing that, I can be happy in the process, and I can find some time to make sure that I get to spend time with my family. And one of the things, if I could share this, Matt. Probably the most important thing I can ever share anytime I get a chance to speak to an audience is our core value at Club Wealth. And that is that no success in the world can compensate for failure in the home. Mm. And, I, and I think that people use their home as an excuse for failure at work and people use their work as an excuse for failure in the home, right? They say, oh, I'm doing it for my family. Really? 
really, you're, you're spending, you know, 24, seven, 365 at work for your family. You really think that's what they need? Or they're saying, oh, but it's always family first. Really? And so you think going broke is serving your family? Come on, man. Like there's a balance to be had. And this again is where your perfect daily schedule comes in and where you've got to get really focused on cultivating all five key areas in your life and making sure that all of them have balance. Because if one of them's out of whack, they're all going to suffer. So let's talk about the 31 lead generation strategies. So this obviously was a big part in you really exploding on top of your discipline, on top of the daily schedule, the sell skill set yeah. you built getting lots of lead generation. So you have the ability to follow up on high quality leads. Tell us about the 31 strategies. I know you don't have to list out all 31, but like how, how did you get to all 31 and decide which ones to put in your arsenal? Cause there's like 2000 lead generation strategies out there. I was literally just going to say that. Yeah. There's literally over 2000 different lead sources in real estate today. Uh, there's about a hundred to 110 that are pretty good. Right. So my son, uh, Austin now, you know, he covers all of Washington state and he's killing it. You know, he's, what he's a year and a half into the business now and he's listing you know close to 20 homes a month pretty consistent somewhere between 10 and 20 homes a month uh very consistently he's got 57 lead sources and and i think that too often people get hung up and, and i can tell you all my big producers have a lot of lead sources um you know gary keller you know you probably remember gary and gary's yep. a smart guy and you know there was a time many years ago where gary came out and he says and it's funny because he said any agent that buys lead is lazy if, if, if they're buying leads. Well, at the time I was coaching number one, number two, and number five at Keller Williams worldwide all at the same time. And guess what each one of them was doing? Buying leads. Every one of those guys was buying leads. Every one of them. Uh, actually, two of them were guys and one of them was a lady. And all of them were buying leads. Where I'm going with this is, you know, people think, oh, my sphere of influence is going to be fine. You know, I'm, I'm doing, I just do business by referral. Oh, great, Cupcake. You can continue to be broke all you want. Like, <laughs> good luck. Like, and, and I'll tell you, in a recession, and we're coming into one. Like, like it or not, we're coming into a recession. We don't know how bad it's going to be. We don't know if it's going to be mild or if it's going to be crazy. But I'll tell you, right now, we're seeing anywhere from 10 to 39% drops in year-over-year -year transaction count across the country. Uh, and it starts on the coast and works its way in. Guys, it's coming. It's coming for you. Uh, and so I don't know how bad it's going to be for you, but what I can tell you is that when we're in a recession, the, the, the referral transaction count drops dramatically because nobody calls their buddy up and says, Hey man, Hey, uh, do you got an agent I can, you can refer me to? Cause I'm going to lose my house to foreclosure if I don't sell it, uh, you know, or I'm behind on my payments or whatever. Uh, it just changes. And when the market gets tight, people want a pit bull with an attitude. So they look for an agent that's a lot stronger and they go to the internet for that. In fact, 92% of all buyers start their search online and 72% of those work with the first agent they come in contact with who doesn't drop the ball on follow-up. Think about that. That's insane numbers, right? And so if you're not on the internet, if you're not online, you're not in business today. I, I mean, it's just, it is what it is. You can't rely on referrals. And so you've got to have multiple lead sources. I would say to make a consistent six figure income in this business every year, without question, you need to have about 10 to 15 lead sources. If you want to make seven figures net income every year consistently, you're going to need 25 to 35 lead sources. That's just where you need to be. Uh, and so what we did was we compiled a list of kind of our favorite, you know, or I shouldn't say all of our favorites, but it's 31 of our favorite lead sources. Um, and yeah, I'd be happy to, I mean, rather than go through, you know, each of them one at a time, I'd just give you guys the whole list if you want. Um, you want me to just give them a number to text? Yeah, that'd be perfect. Yeah. So just guys, if you just go, uh, if you just text 727-287-5993, 727-287-5993, text the words club wealth to that number. 
uh, and it'll send you, it'll ask you for your email address and then you give it to, and then it'll email out the 31 lead sources. Now, if you don't receive them, it probably went to spam. So you got to check your spam, but it'll just send you the list. Um, and it's funny because people are like, well, why would you give away your best lead sources? Because I know 90% of you aren't going to do anything with them anyway. Uh, and those that do good, I want you to do something with them. I want you to get so much value from me for free that you're like, dude, I can't imagine what this guy would do if I was paying him for coaching. Uh, and so just go out and use them. But, well, and then even if they do, and even if they're in your market, right now you have one more really? competitor. Now they have to beat you in sales skills. Good luck. Good luck. <laughs> right. <laughs> and watch this. Let me back up. Actually, that's not true. There's a lot of people that can beat me in sales skills, but you know what they won't beat me in? Discipline. Nope. They will never beat me in discipline. You know, I'm like Kobe Bryant. I love Kobe Bryant. Can I just tell you yeah. that guy that, you know, one of the things I loved most about Kobe, I love the story and I can't remember who it was. I think it was Durant or somebody. Like that. I could be wrong who it was, but he was, he was, he went to the gym, you know, this guy goes to the gym to work out. Kobe's already there. You know, they got a game that night. They're opposing teams. Kobe's already there at, you know, like three o'clock or four o'clock in the morning working out. By the time this guy shows up, this guy does a full workout. He's so tired. He's like, oh my gosh, man, I'm exhausted. I'm going to go take a break. He goes and he does whatever he's going to do. And then he comes and Kobe's there when he leaves. And then he comes back later in the afternoon to a second says, Kobe's still there. Kobe never left. And the whole point, and it's funny because he had the conversation with Kobe afterwards and Kobe says to him, he says, look, dude, it's not a, it wasn't about how long I work out every day. It's that I wasn't going to let you think for a second that you could outwork me. I needed you to know that no matter how hard you worked, I was going to work harder. And dude, that's what it takes. That's that Mamba mentality. And, and dude, that's me, man. I don't care. I don't care what I lack in intelligence, what I lack in, in ability to focus or whatever. I will whoop your ass in discipline, period. Like I will be the most disciplined person I can possibly be every minute of my life because that's what moves the needle. So talking about the lead generation strategies, some of these cost money, right? You got to spend, you got to uh -huh. send out some things, do some things. Um, do you recommend that people start on the cheaper, freer ones till they build enough revenue to buy them? Do you recommend they go build like a brand ambassador program where they get people to pay for them? What's the best way to, to scale up their lead sources? Okay. So first and foremost, if I'm a, if I'm a referral fee lead source, right? You know, so if I'm a, there's there's uh, agent pronto or there's there's all kinds of there's a million of, uh, I, I don't even I can't even think of it off the top of my head but there's a ton of different you know referral fee driven lead sources they're not going to want to send business to somebody that did two deals last year it's not happening okay they're going to want to see that you did 25 35 transactions last year before you're even considered and if you're in a big market Seattle L A Houston Dallas Chicago you know you're in any major market across the country you're not getting in at 35 transactions because they got people there that are doing 150 200 transactions a year they're crushing it for them that they know they can count on them and their teams to make that thing happen and they're going to get paid because they don't get paid unless you get paid and so I would suggest that I love those referral-based sources, but they're not as easy as people think. Uh, and you have to do some stuff to take care of them. And you have to treat it like a relationship. It's not just a company sending you business. There's somebody on the other end of that line that is making a decision as to whether or not they're going to keep you in the algorithm so that you get that business. Uh, and you got you to learn how to get to those people and have build that relationship on trust with them. Now, when you talk about a brand ambassador program and all that kind of stuff, again, if you did two deals last year and I'm a lender and you come to me and say, Hey, I want you to help pay for marketing. Screw you cupcake. That's not happening. Right? Like why would I give money to somebody that did that? First of all, doesn't even have any of their own money invested in it. And even if I invest money in them, I know darn good. Well, you're not going to do what it takes to make it happen. So no, I'm not going to make, that's a bad investment for me. Right? 
So what am I looking for? I'm looking for people that are going to go out there and get some on their own. And, you know, people say, well, I'll just get it from my sphere of influence. Well, good luck, because the first two years in the business, everybody in your sphere of influence, they look at you like the thing you were before. He, oh, that's that cop that's now selling real estate. Or, oh, that's that high school student that's trying to sell real estate. Or that's that whatever, the former teacher, the former firefighter, the former whatever. They don't see you as an agent yet. And by the way, especially not if it's your family and friends, what they want to see, because they know you as the goofball, right? So what they want to see is they want to see evidence of success. So you know what? You got to work your tail off to go out and get some evidence of success. Now, I love free things. Like if I'm, if I'm a tier one, right, doing zero to 25 transactions a year, I'm going to do all the free stuff I can. I'm going to door knock, call, cold call expireds, fizzbos, open houses. I'm going to do all these things that work, but that take work because I've got more time than money. But if I'm a tier five or a tier, let's say I'm a tier six, I'm doing 500 to a thousand transactions a year or a tier five doing 250 to 500 transactions a year. I don't have time to do those things. So I'm going to buy leads. I'm going to spend money to get that money coming in. And then I'm just going to do follow up and, and conversion. And by the way, even at that level, I'm probably out of production. So I got somebody else doing all that. So it really comes down to where are you in the business? Now, the 31 lead sources you get when you text that number, there's a mix in there. So depending on what tier you're in, and it tells you, you know, based on the tier you're in, which lead sources you should probably implement first. And I would start with those. And then as you implement those, and as you have success with those, then you can start getting some of the juicier stuff that doesn't take as much of your time and effort. So based on the tier, obviously, is essentially you're doing way more transactions, you're making way more money, and you have way less time generally until you're fully out of production, right? And so yeah. When when they get this list, they should pick the lead generation strategies that are in the tier that they're in. So look at how many transactions they do, pick those, and then go from there. Well, give me an example. If I'm in tier one, I'm doing zero to 25 transactions a year, I shouldn't even be thinking about TVs, radios, and billboards. I shouldn't even be considering any of that stuff. Park benches, not even an option right now. Get out there and get some freaking listings, right? You want some billboards out there? When I had 750 listings, I had 750 little teeny tiny billboards all over town. You couldn't go anywhere and not see me. You couldn't be in the business and not do business with me. You couldn't show a house and not show one of my listings. It wasn't possible, right? That's what you need to generate. When you generate that, I, by the way, I never had to buy billboards. Why? Because I had 750 signs out there, right? And so, yes, you absolutely have to understand where you are. That's why, by the way, with our coaches, all of our coaches sell more real estate than the people they coach. Why? Because you can't read this stuff out of the book. You got to know where you're at now. You've got to see what you're willing to do because every personality type is different. Like if you want to make money on your sphere of influence, fine, we'll teach you how to do that. But guess what? It's still work. You still got to call them, right? You still got to bring them value. And so, but you've got to do it based on where you're at. Like I'll give you an example. Austin, he'll take, you know, couple hundred clients to a, a, a baseball game, right? A, a brand new agent that hasn't put any transactions there can't afford to do that. So you're doing a barbecue in your backyard, which is fine, right? But you've got to make sure that you're doing what's appropriate for your tier. And another piece of this is, and Matt, this is something else that I'm telling you is going to chew through a bunch of agents this year and, and investors. I'm seeing the agents and investors going broke right now. And, and, and now I'm not talking about our clients. I'm just saying in general, in the industry, I'm seeing agents and investors going broke right now because they're not putting profit first. You know, they're, they're not leading with not just revenue, but with profit. Uh, and I'll tell you what, now's the time, guys. You better be hacking your expenses and you better be doubling down on the things that make you money. And, and that includes your effort if you want to make it through the next 24 months because it's going to be a wild one, I'm telling you. Now, those that do that, they're going to do well.
I think this next 24. What, here's another Here's another one you guys have probably heard before that you ought to write down. Where there's chaos, there's opportunity. Yeah, now, let me tell you, there's 100%. a lot of chaos out there, right? I Matt, you're seeing it in all the investment side. I mean, dude, there's there's so much opportunity out there right now, but you got to work to go get it, right? It's I, like, as an example, Austin just, you know, he just uh, encountered a client that, you know, this guy's in the military and he's going to transfer and he's upside down in his house. He bought it two years ago and now it's time for him to PCS to his next base. And guess what? He doesn't have any equity. You know, by the time he pays closing costs on it, there's no equity, but he's got a 2.5% interest rate or something like that. 2.5, 2.9% interest rate. rate that. No kidding. Right. And not, and well, first of all, you could assume it if you want, or, but if you assume it now it's on your credit or you just do a wrap. And so why not just do a wrap? And if they call the note to then I assume it, right? I mean, big deal. Right. And so there's so many ways you can do it and have success with it. And by the way, why did he get that opportunity? Because he works in the chaos every day because he's disciplined enough to every day make phone calls from eight till noon. And so you find opportunities like that. If you don't put the work in, you're not going to find the opportunity. Yeah. hundred percent. So Michael, what is your vision for your life and business next 12 to 18 months? Uh, next to 12 to 18 months. Just enjoy it. Uh, to be honest with you, you know, I don't, I don't, it's funny and it's an unpopular concept, but I'm not a big goal setter. I don't, I don't have a place that I need to be in 18 months. Uh, or two years or five years or 10 years for that matter. Um, I, I really don't care. Here's what I know. I can control what I do today. I can control what I do tomorrow and the rest. I really don't control. I just gotta, I gotta, I gotta make sure that I do what I need to do to take care of the people around me and to take care of my family and to take care of myself in a way that, that I can be proud of and that my kids can be proud of. And, and I just gotta enjoy it along the way. Will we make a bunch more money? Yeah, sure. Probably. What if we don't? I don't care. I mean, I mean, I care, but I mean, I mean, who knows? Who knows what will happen? But uh, yeah, that's it. So I don't have any big plans for me, or you know, it's and and, I, and a lot of people would say that makes me a bad leader. But you know, it's funny. There's a lot of leaders out there that don't know where they're going. They just know that they're that that they're going in this direction, right? And and it's not about how fast I get there. It's about working with urgency every day toward that goal or toward toward that direction, I should say. Uh, and so for me, it's, you know, helping as many people as I can uh, with, you know, their, their real estate business and uh, helping my family and building a legacy that will last beyond me. And so that's kind of where I'm at. It's training up those new leaders, right? Like, so I look around me and I look at, okay, I got all these young people working for us now and, and my kids are among them. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, in the next 10 years, what I have to accomplish in the next 10 years is I have to be able to get hit by a car and die and have them be able to carry on and be be very, very successful and be able to make a difference, a positive difference in this world. Uh, you know, my, my mission is to positively and permanently impact the lives of 20 million people. And I think I can best do that by empowering other people to impact mm. lives positively and permanently. Does that make sense? 100%. Wow. Super long answer to your super short question. Sorry about that. Well, first of all, <laughs> thank you for coming on and sharing about your life and your business and your faith and all the successes that you've had. For those of you out there listening, write down something you learned. If not tech, if not anything else, just text that number to get the 31 lead sources. There's so much gold in here from the discipline to all the things that we talked about that are just so much bigger, even than the strategy itself. Write down something you learned, share it with somebody who knows so they can hold you accountable because freedom is acquired one action at a time. If you take steps day by day before you know it, you too will be living a life of freedom. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next episode.
Please like, comment, share, and subscribe. Engagement is like gold to us. We can't do what we're doing without it. Reviews and subscriptions, particularly on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, are worth more than money. So please do what you can to support the show. 